Hello, and welcome to Behind the Scenes with Dawn and Cherry. I'm Cherry Sigmund, host of The Cyber Show, co-hosting Behind the Scenes with Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hi, I'm Dawn McCarty and the CEO of Securing Everything. So tonight, we want to talk to you about cyberspace and how it relates to what's going on in America today, meaning the election 2020, and talk about it in terms of the facts, not feelings, but just how things work due diligence, due care, and due process in terms of the confidentiality, integrity, and availability triad, which is fundamental to our profession. So, uh, Dawn, uh, do you have any comments you want to make before we dive into the CIA triad? Um, yeah, that you know, you're, you're talking about not feelings, it's facts, and it's not political either. We're talking about the facts of um, what we can verify. No, sure, I think we're ready to just dive right in. Okay, so... Let's talk about what, what we're talking about, the CIA triad. It's not the intelligence agency, CIA. It's a fundamental thing in cybersecurity called the CIA triad. C stands for confidentiality, I is for integrity, and A is for availability. So first, let's talk about availability. Something happened really unusual in the world this year with the global pandemic. And again, this is not political, so we'll just say, you know, no-name country. Everybody knows what we're talking about. But let's just say a country somewhere in the globe had a source of a pandemic potential, did did contain it in the most part of their country once discovered, but let it escape their borders and affect the rest of the world. So country A allows a virus to escape their borders. It affects the world globally, not just economically and health-wise, but it also affects many other things. And in the U.S., the trickle effect is the availability of voting for ballots for the election. You know what I'm getting at, Don? Do you see yeah. where I'm going with this? Do you yep. want to comment on it before not, I continue? Not yet. So where I'm going with this is the availability part of the CIA triad is very important because for the first time it became important in terms of availability is for the first time in the history of the U.S. mass mail-in voting became acceptable because of the global pandemic. And so millions of ballots were mailed to people who didn't even request them, which is an unprecedented action. Uh, there are a lot of irregularities in this particular election, which we'll, we'll get to later. But from a term, from the terms and perspective of availability, the the idea is that not only do you want deployed military across the globe to be able to vote absentee or disabled people who have bona fide disabilities to be able to do either curbside voting on election day or even early voting, but also have the capability to do mail-in voting. Well, this year because of the pandemic, everybody and their brother and their sister and even some who might be dead got mail-in ballots or sent in mail-in ballots. We're still getting to the bottom of that as a country. So that has to do with the availability and how that helped shape the outcome of the way we voted right. in this here in the, right. in the U.S. And we're only talking about the USA election. There was a presidential election, uh, many gubernatorial elections, Senate, House, state, you know, the whole down ballot. So each state has control of their own and each state it's not federally printed. The government printing office, GPO, doesn't print these things. And, the, you know, the whole watermark thing. It's not like there's a central location that prints these things because they're different state by state. And the states have control. The states certify the results. Then the states send that to the Electoral College, which is part of the integrity part of the CIA triad. And right now, what's on the table and what's been questioned is the integrity of the American election process. And how yeah, can I, done can in I jump public. right in there real quick before we move to the integrity piece? Because I want to oh, absolutely, I want to toss something in about the availability. So <clears throat> you were talking about how we already know that we have the absentee voting, the military overseas voting. And in Florida, 
Florida actually has um, implemented vote by mail that has been working successfully or successful as possible. So they're used to the mail-in ballot, right? Not everybody else in the country and not other states were ready or prepared. So when, when you were talking about how they just mailed it out to everybody, what they didn't have available to them was an accurate database. Ah. So that, that is where the availability could become a problem with the way it was done. Had they had an accurate database, we may not have had a, a, as much of a problem. So what I hear you saying, Don, is the availability in terms of that not being prepared with an accurate database where everybody's verified as still residing there or being alive, uh, so on and so forth, and, and affected as well as the integrity, right? Exactly. Yep. Hmm, good point. So you're in Florida. I, I wasn't aware of that. And I've only voted absentee once in my career, and that was when I was an Air Force officer on active duty in Japan. I sent an absentee ballot because I obviously wasn't going to fly back from Tokyo to vote. And so, you know, I've done that once, but I have the experience of showing up in person to vote. Mm -hmm. uh, even after I did the early voting. I stood in line for an hour and 15 minutes in the light drizzling rain until the early voting place opened, put on my mask, of course, and did the social distancing thing to, you know, be a responsible citizen and all that. And then I waited 15 minutes to go do my thing. Mm -hmm. And I waited and made sure it was registered. It was electronic this year, but they checked in South I'm in South Carolina. They check my ID, which is driver's license. Now, in some states, they, they, they'll take a driver's license, but even illegal citizens, uh, you know, guests of our country can get a, a driver's license in some states. So really, that's not necessarily uh, foolproof when it comes to social engineering or, you know, the integrity piece of the triad. Mm -hmm. But uh, but that's a really good point about availability. Uh, anything else to add before we move to integrity? No, I just wanted to add in that part where I think that we lacked the availability for um, the integrity part of how we ac accumulate or gain data. Yeah, it all has to do with, you know, something else we're talking about the tribe, but we're talking about authentication and authorization as well. We talk about that in terms of information systems. One, you have for the authentication is you have to prove your identity, who you are, who you say you are. And then the authorization is, do you have access to do something or permissions? And mm -hmm. in this case, authentication would be, who are you? Are you alive? Are you an American citizen with the eligibility to vote? And then after that, it would be, you know, are you eligible to vote in this state, in this county, at this polling place? You know, are you eligible here? Yeah, because you need to know that before you can gain authorization or, you know, authorization and then access, right? You have to know, are you authorized to access this particular item, whatever it may be? So if you can't validate that they are who they say they are, then how do you know they're authorized? Bingo. And in terms of security and just cybersecurity in general, how how on God's green earth can you verify without an accurate database to begin with? How it's just not even possible to to it boggles my mind really as we a don't even know that one exists. That's how do you know that that person is alive? That they are who they say they are? That they live where they're where the mail was sent? Well, it's just, and it's, it's just far impossible. Yeah, and as far as I know, unless maybe you know something different, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that the only valid or the only known database that the federal government actually collects or even the states is a census. So True. are we going based off of a, a census that was conducted 10 years ago? Yeah, because they're still doing one from this year. I mean, I've had calls and people coming to the door in the neighborhood and they're, they're actually doing the 2020 census now. I yeah, mean, it's still ongoing. So the other one has to be old. You're right. So we don't know how they got the names to put on these ballots to mail out to people. Where did they get the names? Uh, you know, 
is it whoever was registered to vote? Was it uh, old census? So it have been the 2010 census that they used. People were coming and going. They may not even be in that state anymore. People move. People have passed on. We don't unless that is updated, which would not be updated in a 20 at 2010 census. We wouldn't have that. Yeah, or people get married or divorced or, you know, their names may change, especially us ladies, you know, we may have a different last name. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know how so you verify that. There's no way that, that they, they have kept an accurate database on everybody in the United States. Not on a state level. I just don't think states have that many resources. And then now everybody dealing with the global pandemic and the shutdown and the economic downturn uh, temporarily, I just... I don't see how they would have extra resources to devote to doing that because everybody's been struggling. Right. Again, because of the pandemic. So that we has have had more homeless now than we've had, we've ever had. So how, they, they don't even know where they're at. Where'd you mail their vote, their ballot to? And did the homeless vote this year? I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some valid cause for concern here, no matter which side of the, the, the lines that you fall on. The, the concern is you have to be authorized to have access or the capability. Yes, and you have to be authenticated as one, being alive, and two, being eligible to vote in that state at that polling location at that time. Not just are you of age, but you know the whole thing with you know felons voting and, and the, the laws of the way they are. And, and I, I, for one, just my personal opinion, respect the rule of law. And I think we'll see this carry out in the next several weeks and possibly months as this is resolved as to what that shakes out to be. Now, there's a concept called due diligence, due care, and due process. And no matter what you may hear from the mainstream media or even social media or your friends or your neighbors or your best buddy or, or whomever, or there is a process in place. And I would just caution you <laughs> from from perspective of being a security person, don't just don't get all upset and go jumping through hoops and panicking because you heard something. Because the likelihood is it may not be true because there is a process in place. It's written in the Constitution. Our founding fathers in this country knew what they were doing, even though life back then was quite different. They knew what they were doing. They knew there would be some contested elections, and they have provisions for that. That's why it's not reasonable to expect everybody's going to know at the end of the night. Right. Another thing that we <clears throat> work on as, as far as being security experts is if we cannot have that authentication and the accessibility, and if we failed there, then we it, you cannot have integrity it right. cannot exist so right. let's talk about how that how all of this affected the integrity of the system well that's where that's being questioned right now is the integrity system from the state level on up to the reporting and i mean it hasn't even been certified yet i mean i i know we we're talking earlier before the show about i mean i, I saw this in 2000 with al gore and george bush where the mainstream media jumped the gun and, and exceeded uh, their influence in trying to state that there was a president-elect, even though the Electoral College hadn't even you know, rendered their certification yet from the states. And for 36 days, the country was up in, up in you know, arms and up in you know, limbo trying to figure out what exactly, exactly happened, and that happened to be Florida. And that's just one state. Now we're talking about multiple states that might be in question in terms of the integrity aspect of the CIA triad, right? Mm -hmm. And that took 36 days to resolve. And then that was flipped. And when it was determined that the, the Florida um, hanging chads were resolved, that's what they were called in hanging chads, Florida was resolved and they've come a long way. And now that's the I wanna, I wanna that's point that out. Ago. Though. 
I want to point out that Florida has come a long way and we got our ballots counted before Nevada, before Arizona, before Pennsylvania. <laughs> we did a much better job this year. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're not picking on Florida. Florida, Florida's good. I'm just saying that the precedent is this has happened before in this country in, yep. as recent as 20 years ago, 2000, the Al Gore, George Bush yep. presidential race. It's happened just 20 years ago in Florida. Yeah. I and I know you think 2020 is a crazy year, but look at the number. 20 years ago, we had the same type of thing, but on, on a lesser scale. Now, with the multiple states being questioned, I mean, the votes aren't even counted yet. So I saw a speech the other day, and I would say this whether it's red or blue. I mean, I just don't think that the media or social media, anybody can declare a projected winner a winner because the key word is, hello, projected. And until the Electoral College has met and any other part of due process and due care and due diligence have been exercise in this case possibly to the supreme court or even to congress there's a whole process there but until this is resolved through the process that exists from the law and our founding fathers i mean it just drives me nuts when i see people jumping through hoops well, thinking something is authentic when it's not authentic until it's certified right i think that and i'm going to say this to the media i'm going to say this to the pundits i'm going to say this to the bureaucracy, the politicians, everybody, every one of them need to calm down yes. because people look and follow you. They get to know, like, and trust you, right? And they mm -hmm. will hang on everything that you say because you said it. So what we have going on right now is disinformation on all over the place. I'm not, I'm not picking one side or the other. We have a lot of disinformation, a lot of propaganda, we have so much going on that we can't, we just need to calm down and we need to go ahead. And I think this is true for any election, be it 2016 or this one, you know, where they needed to recount votes in 2016. They needed to recount votes in 2018. Now in 2020, we need to recount votes. So let it happen because if, if there was fraud, if there was anything that was done unfairly, it does need to be uncovered because in actuality, when people are thinking about, you know, do you want co fraud committed against you? Do you want someone to cheat you out of something? So we're looking at, at that level. It's if, it, if there was cheating done, we definitely should uncover it. If there was no cheating undone, then there would be nothing to uncover. So stop worrying. It doesn't matter. Just let, let that process go through its course because mm -hmm. the results will come out the way the results are going to come out. We right. have no control over that. So let those fall where they, wherever those chips may lie and let that process take place. And something that I've heard recently, someone else said is that it doesn't really matter who the president is if we're focused on us on an individual level. And it also doesn't matter who a president is if the system is working correctly. Mm -hmm. So when the system works correctly and we have balance, that's the whole point of what you were talking about earlier about our founding fathers that and knew what they were doing. So we might have a, an imbalance in some parts of government, but hopefully there's enough balance in there to keep it all in check and we survive it. Exactly, Don. Very good point. That's why we have three branches of government. It's built into our system to have the judicial, the legislative and the executive branches. So there are checks and balances among all three. And right. that's why if it, you know, push comes to shove and it might, it may end up going to Congress with each state having just one vote, not how they're normally done based on representation. But if it comes to 
the, the fact that Congress could be involved in terms of a vote, it would be one vote per state. And uh, I think a lot of people yeah. aren't, aren't aware of that. And I think you should explain that in because de- you were explaining it pretty good earlier. Uh, I doubt that a lot of people even understand that's the process that comes next if they can't resolve this before January 1, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, the Electoral College hasn't even certified the results from the state yet, states yet because states are still counting. They're still doing recounts, and there's a runoff for two Senate seats in Georgia. I mean, they're it's not just yeah, the presidential it's not done, election. but it's been called, so that's it, kind of odd. Well, it's been called by the mainstream media, which, again, also happened in 2000, and that's why I hark back to that, because I've seen this crap before where unnecessarily people were spun up and then disappointed when things changed. And I think people who are getting overly excited for or one result or the other right now are going to be upset later when this whole process has been adjudicated because – the way the numbers come out, it's like half and half. Should you have 71 million people on one side and you know, umpteen million on the other? And there's large groups of Americans, our fellow citizens, who are going to be unhappy. And whether the riots, I don't know. But you know, we've had rioting all this year. I mean, right now I don't see any riots. Yeah, it's kind of like happened? crazy. What happened? Uh, yeah, where'd Where the riots go? That was like, why the, the riots stopped all of a sudden. What the heck? I mean. It boggles my mind. All the crap we've seen this year, I mean, I'm ready for 2021. I don't know about you, Dawn. Now, that's a little bit of my personal feeling right there. That's never going to stick with facts but feelings. But I, for one, am burnt out on 2020. I am ready for 2021 to be here. that is actually a fact, Sherry. (laughs) Well, that is a fact, too. Well, I am ready for 2021 to be here. That's my personal feeling because I am about over 2020. Yeah. Earlier this year, I kept saying, let's rewind. Let's start over. Now it's like, no, fast forward. Let's just get it over with. Let's get all of this over with. I agree. And I think a lot of people having been in lockdown for quite a while feel the same. I've personally been teleworking, uh, doing cybersecurity consulting from home since mid-March. And I love teleworking, but, you know, sometimes I, I do miss being uh, in the office with some people. Uh, just It's just a different. There's a lot less social contact that way. So, yeah, I'm ready for 2021 to be here. But back to the story. So we have the three elements of the CIA triad. We've talked about integrity. We've talked about availability. The confidentiality also has to do with how the votes are are protected. So when you go to the ballot box or if you happen to do curbside voting, I saw a few of those this year, and I think they've been around. I just haven't noticed them before, but I noticed them during the pandemic because they have designating parking spots where not only the disabled but people who who don't want to go in and be exposed to people because of COVID could actually do curbside voting uh, this year. I don't know how the confidentiality is protected because I didn't do it that way, but you have to wonder, like, if you bring the ballot out, is it electronic, is it paper, and then is it sealed, or can the person carrying it from the car to the location inside, can they alter it? I mean, these, a lot of things I didn't think about before have me questioning the integrity of the process and even the confidentiality of the vote because yeah. doing it the normal way, going in in person, showing your ID, Getting the, you know, getting the, the ticket, getting your ballot and going and doing the process at, at the little, you know, corral or whatever, ever how it is in your state. It's different state by state. But I feel more confident doing it in person, handling the ballot myself, putting it in the machine, watching the receipt go in and say your vote has been accepted and counted. That was yeah. a good feeling. I felt very peaceful after I voted this year. Yeah, but I hand delivered mine. Family, you don't get that. Yeah. What do I you hand, think? I hand delivered mine. Um, because last the last time I voted, I had um, they took the signature off my driver's license. But when I got my ballot and I filled it out, I put it everything in in the envelopes, and then I sealed the envelope, and then you sign it. I signed it with what they had on the front. Mm. 
I, you know, I didn't realize that they took my signature off my driver's license, which, you know, how small and squiggly that is. So when I, when I turned it in, they rejected it. And then I needed to come in and verify who I was and verify my signature. So this year I decided to take it in because I didn't know which signature I was supposed to be using because they added this one, but that they, did they remove the other one or they add, (laughs) I didn't know what they did. So this time I took it in. And this varies state by state because you want you, you want the confidentiality of your vote to be protected. And you know some people disclose who they vote for. And it, this, this is not about that. It's just you should have the option as a citizen, as a voter, to have the confidentiality protected no matter what. And what you choose to disclose is what you choose to disclose. It, it, it's built into our system. It, it was something that the founding fathers thought of. It's like, you know, it's to me it's just a fundamental tenet. And so in South Carolina, this is what happened this year. In my particular county, you go in and you show your ID, which you know could be military ID, could be federal, could be passport with a photo, it could be driver's license from the state. You show that, they verify your address, you talk to the person from the window, you know, with your mask on, through the plexiglass, and they have a stylus where you sign your name. So you use the stylus to sign your signature. And, and this year, because of the COVID, uh, you know, because of the Rona, they were saying, don't bring your hand sanitizer in. We have that at the end. We want you to sign this and if you use the hand sanitizer that'll mess up your signature and your ballot won't count it won't register because something in the jail of the hand sanitizer the alcohol messes with the digital stylus of your electronic signature so they're verifying your id you are who you say you are you're living at the address that's on your on your id and you're also signing electronically with the stylus and that is back to the county so they're good checks and balances there but you know, everybody was like, Ooh, I don't want to touch this thing. And you can just see people not wanting to touch the stylus. But then you go to the next one with your ballot. You go to the corral, and they have long Q-tips. Then you take the Q-tips, and you tap on the machine. And then the computer spits out what your choices were. Then you take that digital printout with barcode to another machine, which digitally accepts and reads your ballot and counts it as a vote. So that's how it works in our state. But, I mean, how many states have different – Every state has a different process. That was even new from last time I voted. So wow. I'm just saying that those were our checks and balances. And then right after that, everybody's rushing to get their voting sticker and then the hand sanitizer at the end because everybody touched the same stylus. But I mean, things have been so different this year in 2020 because of the pandemic. People had to think about things differently, not just the distancing, waiting in line in the rain. Some people were so smart, they brought their stadium chairs, you know, their fold-out chairs, and waited yeah. in line. That way, the lines were so long. People were so eager to vote this year. Well, I tell you, oh. I delivered my ballot the day before, so on the 2nd, I walked in. There was nobody in line because wow. of our mail-in ballots. So we were already done. We already had most of our ballots. In Florida. Okay, was, cool. There was voting day for those that don't want to vote by mail. Those are the ones that would have had to have gone in and did the in-person voting. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually, and, and in terms of somebody in my family member, so we're talking about confidentiality, so I'll expect my family member's confidentiality, but my family member had tried to go in person and vote several times, but the line was so long, he just couldn't stand that long. So got an absentee ballot to take home and actually filled out the ballot at the residence, and I witnessed their signature when sealing it and sending the envelope back in. So my family in this particular year in South Carolina have done it different ways, and others, you know, went in person, but it, it, it's up to how you do it, but no matter how you do it, the confidentiality should be respected, the process should be respected, you should have integrity in the process, and the availability like we've all talked about. So we've covered the three things, the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability. 
just kind of in a nutshell, I mean, we can have a much longer behind the scenes on this, but you and I collaborate on cybersecurity issues. And I think this is a very important topic of the day, not only just for the U.S., because I think the world is watching how this goes on. And is this like a third world country election or is it a first world country election? I, mean, I know some other countries that have a lot more security controls in the process of their election from well, what I'm seeing now. Yeah, and we've seen other countries that have had questionable outcomes of elections. And here yes. we're sitting on the on the same thing. Integrity really matters. And having, I, I would not want to w uh, win on a technicality. Not I think we need to know. We deserve to know as citizens, we deserve to know that our, vo our votes counted, yes. But we also deserve to know that they were counted correctly. I agree. So, and we started talking about what happens after January 1st, and we go into a completely different process and trying to determine the outcome. So when you have a situation like this, now you have to figure out all of that kind of washes away. All of the recounting, all of that information goes away because it steps into a new process, which changes. Now we have a um, this change in our CIA model, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, going from what how we normally do things like we've done in this election or how what we do on our computer systems or something when something fails sometimes we have to move to a different process to determine what it was and that's kind of what happens here so we're moving into we would move into that model come is it january 1 that that happens yes, yes so we move to the other well i mean after the electoral college is met mid-december typically and then in this case you know you know with supreme court or whatever court battles you know from the state level on up to the supreme court that that takes a while, and of course you have appeals, so it's not a it's not a quick process. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it goes from there, and potentially to the Congress with one vote per state. But let me let me backtrack to what I what I was going to say earlier in terms of cyberspace. Now, when the founding fathers came up with this idea, one the population of the U.S. was a lot less. I mean, this was way back when we didn't have so many right. millions of people living here. And so to just think about scale when you plan an when you plan a system. You're talking about, you know, doing the capacity planning and the scalability and how you build something out. I think the founding fathers, to have been a much smaller population under consideration and to scale things out, were really wise to build in those checks and balances, for one. So no one group could have overly, you know, so much power or not so many states could have, you know, so much power. That's why they invented the Electoral College, which is brilliant in and of itself, in my, my, perspe my perspective. Uh, from my perspective, having that as a check and balance is really good because you can't have a large population state influencing or overriding the voices of all the other states, which is why the Electoral College exists to begin with, not just the popular vote in this country. So you have the checks and balances. But life was so much different. Back in the day when the Founding Fathers first put this all together, the population was really tiny compared to what we have today. And logistics were different. And information flow were, was completely different. The speed of everything was different. I mean, you might have to go for days or weeks to get to the county seat and making an overnight thing just to show up and vote in person. It's not like you have all these options you have now or the information at your fingertips. Fast forward to the 90s with the internet. You didn't have that for many, many, many decades in this country. So now what we have is an overflow of information. The speed of information is so much faster and hence the ability to manipulate and influence and otherwise put out propaganda and disinformation or misinformation just exploded because of right. cyberspace. It's great and it enables a lot of things, but if you think about the volume of data, the speed of data and the capacity for anybody anywhere to manipulate information, 
even conduct information operations. I mean, I work for the government. I understand information operations. I understand foreign influence. I understand these things. I can see these things happening, but it's not something that's common to the average person. No. And so cyberspace enables all of this. That's why it's relevant to the cyber show and to securing everything, everything and to behind the scenes because it, it speaks to the heart and soul of what we do exactly. from my perspective. What do you think, Don? No, I totally agree with that. We, we talk about the elements of cyber and, and most of the time, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, where the average person hears the word cyber and they're like, oh, that's not me. Nope, I'm good. Because that to them means somebody else that represents or, or resembles a hacker or somebody that resembles the brainy, nerdy guy that trying to defend everything from the hacker. They don't think it involves them. So we're trying to soften the meaning of the word cyber so that people embrace it and learn a little bit more about it. Talking about softening the term cyber and making people understand it affects them too. Yeah. The evolution of cyberspace, how people use it and the oh. speed and volume of information. Yeah. Yeah. So when they, they hear some things and it, I think because of the enormity of the internet, nobody can really comprehend the size of it. Right. And especially the average person um, because they only see as far as whatever they're doing on their monitor screen. So they only see as far as their bank. They only see as far as Facebook. They only see as far as Twitter. They don't understand that there's a deep black hole out there somewhere, basically, where there's so much information just floating around. It's endless. It's literally endless. Uh, and, and the reason I actually haven't recorded a show with you lately, and uh, even my own show, I put on hiatus, hiatus for a month because I've been one working on a product. And I know you've been working on a product. We've also been collaborating behind the scenes literally on a different product. But when I'm in produce mode and, and consulting as I do with cybersecurity clients, I don't have the bandwidth to consume a lot. So there are times when I just stop consuming because I have to. There's so much information that just bombards me. And our and brains are not. Aside, yeah. yeah unless, unless we set aside time to actually start producing and focus on creating and stop just consuming, you know, you yeah. only have so many hours in the day and you have to prioritize. So I have put this on hold for the past month, maybe another month and a week. And even miss some of and my. And we're still going home. a little slow. And we're still we're still going a little yeah. slow because our brains are really not designed to process the amount of information that we're having to process. And this goes for everybody because mm -hmm. you are, whether you realize it or not, you are bombarded with so many advertising messages a day, so many marketing messages. That are designed specifically for you, and you don't even realize it. Yes, it's very sophisticated, and just the flow and massive amount and speed of information coming at you. It's no wonder that the media itself can be influenced by information operations and in turn, knowingly or unknowingly, wage influence campaigns. Oh, I like what you said right there because I, I really think that the media has been duped. Possibly so. Possibly so. But when you have a, a platform and a vehicle, you also have the responsibility to use it wisely and not cause panic or create unrealistic expectations for people. Because again, what we're seeing now happened in 2000 with Gore and Bush. And so many people were disappointed. And even then, they didn't riot. Think about what's going to happen with the global pandemic still going on, I guess so. And and then, you know, the riots that happened before because of all the other issues. What if things play out and the riots start again? I, I mean, I just, I see ramifications one way or the other. And I think the bottom line needs to be that there needs to be an integrity in the process, no matter what the outcome is. And there needs to be a peaceful transfer of power, ever how that turns out after the rule of law has been exercised and you know whether it goes to the Supreme Court, to the Electoral College, maybe this gets fixed there, I don't know, maybe it has to go to Congress, it's too early to tell. 
But the key is, it's too early to tell. And nobody has the authority to call it until it goes through the proper process. And the process is not social media. It's not the mainstream media. It's not your friend down the street. It's not your aunt. It's not your uncle. It's not your granny. It's not your grandpa. It's following the process. That's why you have procedures in place. It works for cybersecurity. It works for business. It works for having an order of anything in a civilized society. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and I'm sticking to the facts. I know it sounded like Forrest Gump, didn't I? And that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're <laughs> going to get. Something like that. Anyway, I like Forrest Gump. But uh, those are my thoughts on the facts of how the CIA triad fits into this election. A uh, bit of a mess that we have currently here in the States. And um, I just wanted to share my thoughts with that, uh, you know, about that with you uh, here with Dawn on an episode of Behind the Scenes now that it's, it's really timely and relevant. And uh, we've held our tongues as long as we could. We've been watching this for days now, and we're getting together here on a Sunday evening to uh, to, to chat with you and um, <clears throat> hopefully add some value to your thought process, because I think critical thinking uh, is a skill that everybody has in them, and uh, thinking for yourself and using critical thinking skills will help you wade through that massive amount of information we're talking about with the ads, the marketing, the influence campaigns, all of that stuff. Just weed it out and stop and think for yourself and yeah, realize that the process exists and it, and it will be decided one way or the other through the, through due process over time. Yeah. And with, with or without our opinions anywhere. And I think one thing I'd like to mention too is sure. you know, we, we've been talking about tonight, the, the, the CIA triad. And this is something that cybersecurity experts, information um, security administrator, uh, you know, everybody uses this model and the model helps us to navigate. It helps, it guides our decisions. It guides how an organization processes their security controls. I mean, there's so much that revolves around this particular triad. So we live and breathe and think this 24 seven, just about, it seems like, because everything we do, yes. everything we do, not just at work, how often, Cherry, does this affect what you do at home or what you're doing when you're out shopping or your situational awareness when you're around other people or other organizations? We're picking up things because this is the model that we're so ingrained with. And I think it would be good if a lot of other organizations or administrations adopted it. I agree. It's a really good point, Dawn. Do you have any other clo closing thoughts uh, for our behind the scenes episode tonight? Um, just that th sometimes these things are out of our control, but it's important that we remain, that's the word I want to use. We, we're human, right? And there's two different sides to things that are happening in the world right now. And we just need to let it work its way out. I don't, I don't know that there's any way to make everybody 100% happy. And regardless of what, what side of the fence you fall on, we're all still human at the end of the day. And we're all still Americans at the end of the day. And we all still need to have that unconditional positive regard for each other at the end of the day. That's my closing argument. I agree. Well, thank you very much for that, Dawn. Uh, folks, if you'd like to uh, comment or leave us feedback, please uh, do so in the comments or send us an email. Reach out and let us know what your thoughts are. We will have a follow-up on this as things progress. I don't know exactly what the schedule might be because things are so up in the air. Nobody really knows the schedule <laughs> and what courses this will be through You know, before it adjudicates, whether it's you know electoral college or the judiciary or the legislative branch. All the shows and balances that our, foref that our forefathers built into it when they founded our country, our republic. Uh, so that's what's at stake 
um, I just, I like to add that everybody just calm down. Just keep calm and keep steady and do what you're going to do in your own life and focus on what you can control and what you can't control. Don't worry about it for now. Just let it go through the process and we'll see what happens. We will keep you informed uh, as we go along the way. We welcome your feedback. Thanks for stopping by Behind the Scenes with Dawn and Sherry. And that's all I have for this Sunday evening. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night.